It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Bengals post-game podcast. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports commerce, and enter with Rick Boring after the Bengals fall to the Kansas City Chiefs 23-20 here at Arrowhead Stadium, where I'm still sitting in the press box in an empty Arrowhead. The parking lot's about empty at this point forward on this cold night. And um, Rick, as, as this game comes to a finality, I think that's what hits the hardest is just the finality of it, of you're thinking with two minutes and change left, Joe Burrow's going to drive him down the field for the winning field goal to them punting it. Suddenly the punt return puts him in a good spot to get the field goal range. Uh, a crazy penalty, which was the right call. Joseph Osai hitting him late out of bounds. We'll get to the reaction of that and the field goal. And it felt like uh, what was going to be a dream win, another one of those great Joe Burrow uh, victory celebrations. Instead, the finality of it is hit you right in the face. And then there's an off season to talk about uh, ahead as well, because of so many guys in in free agency, it was, this one's going to sting. And a lot of players said it that way, that this one's going to sting for a bit. It's going to be really hard. And I think part of it is there were expectations this year. Right. Last year, all of it felt so much like this is just icing on the cake and it's just happy. Aren't we lucky to be here type euphoria this year? There was the expectations that, okay, this team is good enough to get back to the AFC championship game and potentially even get back to the Super Bowl. And once they got on a roll and started playing really well and won 10 in a row and got to this position again, I think especially after the Mahomes injury, a lot of people expected the Bengals to win this game, especially locally here in Cincinnati, at least. And that's where I think a lot of the sting comes from. This one just feels a lot different than it may have last year had they lost that game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And, and that's the thing. I think you thought this team, the way it was playing, that it was going to win the Super Bowl, not just win this game, but win right. the whole thing. And um it's it's it really is a hard one to swallow, and especially the way it kind of transpired at the end. There was a lot of wackiness during the course of the game as well that we'll get into. So I'll let you get into it. I'll try to answer what we got, and we'll we'll go from there. Well, I'm glad I'm talking to you and doing this podcast with you because I would say that you are anti blame the refs guy and anti we got cheated and anti the refs had an impact in this game so much so that I would even say you're maybe biased on the other side. You're almost a contrarian when people try to use that talking point. You will always be on the other side for the most part. So I feel like there's not going to be any woe is us. The Bengals got screwed bias coming from your side of things, but you realize that that's going to be and is the biggest talking point coming out of this game, not no, just with there, Bengals there's fans, no question. but no across question. the country. No so question. my first question to you, Skinny, is how big of a deal did you think the, the calls were? Did you think that the Bengals got a bad whistle? How, how much blame do you put on that aspect of the game or how much of a factor do you think that aspect of the game was? I mean, honestly, and I know this is going to sound terrible because I know I've, I've gotten a bunch of people tweet at me about how is this not a late hit on, a, on this guy? How is this not pass interference on that guy? How is this not a hold? Um, we can break down every play if you'd like and, and do some of those silly things. Um, I don't think it plays as big a factor as fans want it to. And I do know it's a storyline. Trust me, I my Twitter line timeline is filled with, with that. But um, I think we all agree the penalty on Osai was legit, right? I mean, it was it, it sucks, but it was legit, correct? Yeah, I don't think there's any arguing that. I think most fans would say that's the other part of the loss that stings is this kind of brought back some bad memories, mostly the Jeremy Hill game. I think the Vontez perfect situation, right. you kind of had those memories coming back up, but there's no doubt that the rest were going to call that a penalty. Yeah. And the, the one, the, the, the most egregious blunder of the ball game that the, the replay of the third down really didn't amount to anything. It just amounted to technically some more time coming off the clock, but it really, 
Um, we got a pool report on that. I didn't think the explanation was very good for that. Um, I, I think they botched it on the field as well. I don't care how they tried to explain it. The official Ron Torbert. Um, we have that story. We will have that story on local12.com if you've not read the, the quotes from the official. Um, we also had some quotes on the, I, I mean, I thought that, I'll be honest with you, on the on the Joe Burrow intentional grounding penalty, Rick, I mean, the people sitting next to me, as soon as he threw it, I said, oh, no, that's going to be grounding. And, and a couple of people said, no. I said, oh, no, that wasn't even close to Samaj P. Ryan. No way. And I don't, I hate to be that, but suddenly there came the flag because I, I thought that he did ground the football. So yeah, the one was completely egregious, the blunder on the, the replay of a play. And I, yeah, I, I've gotten something on the block in the back, maybe on the punt return. I didn't see that. Um, you know, you can do that a lot of times. It's a bang, bang play, but no, I, I think it was a, it was a smaller part than you want it to be. I know the emotion of why you want it to be as a fan, because there's, it's an easy place to point the finger, but um you know, there was a penalty that happened that we think we all agree on the Osai one. I think the grounding was the right call. Um, again, the blunder is the one for me that if that had turned into something, then that certainly should have been a storyline, but it didn't. I mean, they ended up forcing the punt in the end eventually anyway. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it definitely changes the dynamics of the game at that point. There's a lot of time left versus they're taking more time off. The field right. position changes on that play. So it is a big play still for you to give them three opportunities at third and nine, keep resetting the down like that after the Bengals keep stopping them. And that's that's the play that everybody is going to be most upset about because that's where it feels weird. It feels like it felt the fix weird. is in. You get conspiracy theory with it. Obviously, that's not the case. You could see what happened on the play. The ref did try to come in from the, the top of the screen and, and stop the play before it got started and no one could hear him because of the, the decibel level inside the stadium. But it still feels unfair if you're a Bengals fan. And sure. that's why people are really going to look at that play. I think the other one that's really going to bother fans the most aside from that is the fact that you call the the late hit on Patrick Mahomes, which is understandable. It looked like a late hit and it was pretty obvious over there on the sideline, but you had a very similar situation on the drive before where the Bengals were forced to punt where Joe Burrow got hit about three or four steps late. I mean, he wasn't hit hard, but the type of play that in the NFL in 2023 it's called 90% of the time a late hit on the quarterback. And so for them to not have that call, then immediately hit the Bengals with the late hit on the quarterback that decides the game is going to be tough to swallow. And the fact that you have the multiple 39 opportunities, and then the way that they get a, a first down after the, the third try on third and nine is that you call the Bengals for a pass interference. And again, it, or defensive holding, I guess, on Eli defensive Apple. And it, it, was, it was, it was. And it was, it was. But yeah. it's one of those situations where it's no, like, I well, know. we did just screw them twice in a row maybe maybe that's one i mean you let defensive holding go 15 times well, 20 times a game that's one maybe yeah. you just have feel for and let it go and then what i will say and it was a hold but what i will say in favor of that's where maybe you eat that flag is patrick mahomes wasn't getting that pass off in any way because he got sad he got swallowed whole on that play and it wasn't because he was holding it waiting for him to get unheld i mean he had no chance to even throw the right. ball down the field anybody on that play and then that, that's kind of my point that's one where it just feels like as the officials, especially coming off of the play you just had where the Bengals had just stopped them and nobody knew the play where the ref stopped it because of the play clock situation and they gave him an extra opportunity. Nobody knew on that initial play that that ref was trying to stop the play. Yeah, no, no I mean, one I, player I, slowed up or stopped on the play. They were all going 100 percent. Right. No, that's that. And that was the thing for me that was odd. I mean, I, I, I again, I know how noisy it was here. I could, I could hear the noise here. Trust me. But uh, I that, don't know that he ever blew the whistle. That's what I'm like, wondering, too. He looked like he was, he was running, running in. in. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, aside, aside from that, I'm not sure that there's 
a whole lot you can really complain about from a calls perspective. But I mean, that the way that played out there in the fourth quarter, those specific instances that we just touched on, it's tough to swallow as, as a fan. And um, the one thing that I do think, and, and maybe this is somewhat rooted in the fact that we go to the replay monitor or the replay booth so often now in all sports, and there's so much more time spent waiting on the officials and making them a part of the show that I do find that with the NFL anymore, it feels like every game I watch and every big game, it's all just decided by which flags are thrown and which flags aren't thrown. No, it, well, you you it, could go either way for either team in every game, it seems like, and you just kind of wait for the big flag to come in. And maybe it's always been that way, but it, it just it does seem to take away from a little bit of the fun, in my opinion. Yeah, one other, one other call to, to make note of was the one where um, the, the player reached the ball across the line to make for the first down oh, yeah. and then pulled it back. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I did not hear the TV portion of it. I was told, I guess the, the, the rules official said, you know, you can't pull the ball back there, but I do wonder if, you know, he reaches it across. And at that point, that's when the knee touches, that's when he's down and he brings the ball back. There was no real clear explanation of that one either from Ron Torbert. It was just that yes, after, after further review, he did make, he did reach across for the line to gain and he clearly pulls the ball back. That part's not even in debate. Um, the question is, was the knee down right as he had the ball across that point. And at that point he does quickly pull it back, but his knees already down. And I I would have loved to have gotten an explanation for that one too. That did not appear to be the case. It did not appear that his knee was down when he was reaching the ball out, but also they had called it short of the first down on the field. You go to the replay booth and there wasn't really a perfect down the line look at it to tell you definitively that he clearly got it. Now it looked like he probably did on that little reach across. Now, again, that's only if you're counting it at its farthest point when he was reaching the ball back before he pulled it back, which, as explained by Gene Sterator, shouldn't have counted. But even if you're going off that farthest point where he reached out, I mean, it's a iffy call at best yeah. based on the replay. And that's not what you would call it on the field, which what we've always been told is it has to be conclusive evidence that it's obvious you were wrong with the call on the field to overturn it. Here's my problem with replay, and it's always been the problem is it. Pro sports at a high level is so hard to officiate. It, it, it really and truly is. And so now it's the microscope of every single play, um, uh, you know, that that it's just I, I just I think it's honestly it's it's made for bad theater, to be quite frank. And it's it's and that's why it's led to everybody second guessing every call by the officials, because you do see some plays that are overturned. OK, they I mean, I say this to a lot of people. A lot, if you think it's bad, you go do it. You know, put 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 your money where your mouth is and you go do it. Uh, well, and that's fair. You know, I mean, I don't know who could do a better job. These guys are allegedly the best in the world. I don't know if maybe you need to pay them more. You have a whole lot of money if you're the NFL. Could you potentially get better officials by making it yeah, an maybe. even more lucrative sure. job and having sure. more officials instead of having these guys run themselves ragged over the course of the season sure. and or have themselves. Some of these guys are refing until they're in their late 60s and 70s, which, you know, I mean. Not to be ageist, but that's probably a little long in the tooth to be officiating NFL games. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just I think your point is is pretty dead on that the micro analysis of every single play and going to the replay booth or the replay monitor in basketball constantly and all the stoppages and staring at officials. It's taken away from some of the theater of the actual sport and placed it on the drama of are they going to throw this flag or not throw this flag? Are they going to overturn it or not overturn it? And to me, that's just not as fun. 
Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Um, but can I tell you, tell you really where this game was wrecked for the Bengals? It, it wasn't the Please do. shooting. It was Chris Jones. I mean, Chris Jones almost single-handedly wrecked this game himself. And this was the reason, you saw tonight the reason why you went and got Alex Cap in the offseason, right? You saw, I, you know, Max Sharping does his best. He can play against certain players, against certain opponents. He's a perfect backup guy to have, and God love him. He was in there trying best, but he's not Alex Kappa. Alex Kappa was signed for a reason. Uh, no question about it. I mean, this is why you went out there and you put in all that money and all that work into your offensive line in the offseason because this is what the Bengals' offensive line looked like at the end of last year when they lost in the Super Bowl to the Rams. And that's the reason they lost that game because they couldn't handle Aaron Donald or any of the other pass rushers on that Rams defense. You saw it again tonight, and I mean, it's not unexpected. You knew it was going to be a problem. I think they kind of dodged a bullet last week with the matchup that they had in the divisional round, and it kind of is what it is to some extent. They were, in a lot of ways, it felt like they were lucky to have the chances in this game that they did. Right? Because no, I think I, I agree. They they were dominated for probably two and a half quarters of this football game. Yeah, they were. Well, they were clearly dominated the first quarter, getting out game one ten to zero, and only being down six to nothing. That felt like a gift. Yeah. For them to go into halftime only trailing by a touchdown felt great as a Bengals fan. Speaking of that, let, let's let's get to that, that jumping off point. I'll ask you this question, then I'll get my opinion. What did you think of the clock management at the end of the first half? Well, why don't you tell me what you think about it? Because I don't have any I don't have any takes on it. What what was wrong with it? Well, I, I, I I'm not so sure that the, the, the two timeouts back to back, I didn't mind the timeout the first timeout they took to get to third and one, but then the third and one run to then take another quick timeout. I'm not so sure I don't get up and spike that thing and save another one. Cause I, I do think it cost them at least another play down by the goal line when they got down there. That's probably fair. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I, I didn't notice it in the moment, I guess, is what I okay. would say. So okay. it's tough for, tough for me to criticize because I, I, I didn't think of it either. Yeah, I did not mind. I understood. He made a good explanation of why they you know didn't try to squeeze another play in with four seconds to go. He, you know, they do this stuff a lot analytically and, and in practices. And he said, you know, four seconds is usually the cutoff. You know, you throw a pass, you think it's a quick pass and it gets tipped and there goes another second off the clock. So I didn't mind him. Uh, kicking the field goal because of where they were time-wise. I just thought he had a chance to squeeze a few more seconds out of that series. And it might've been the difference between obviously, you know, it was the difference between maybe a touchdown and certainly a field goal. Yeah, it could have been, but as, as you've pointed out, I mean, it's just, I don't know that there were going to be a lot of touchdowns scored in this game period with the way that the Bengals offensive line was struggling against that defensive front and really same way on the other side. I mean, it's not like the chiefs had a bunch of big explosive plays, Maybe they were somewhat limited by Patrick Mahomes, but well, and they were all the receivers getting hurt too. That didn't help either. But yeah, I mean, I think I get where you're coming from. Obviously, it would be great to have a, a touchdown there instead of three, but it kind of just felt like with the way this game was going, it was going to be hard to find points. Um, Skinny, I'm not sure if there's anything else you have to hit on from the actual game part of this, but I think there were some things to talk about from the post game. First of all, Joseph Osai. After the big play of the game right. that decided uh, basically that the Chiefs would move into field goal range, he looks like he gets injured on it. First, he makes a huge mistake. Then he looks like he might have gotten injured on it. Also, there were obviously some teammates that were going to react to what he did in that moment and the decision he made. First of all, what did you hear about the injury status of Joseph? Osama? Yeah, I, I, it really never came up. I mean, maybe it will tomorrow when we talk to Zach. Um, you know, Joseph was really asked about the, the play itself. And to his credit, he tried to answer it best he could, but he was fighting tears. And then B.J. Hill kind of came over and played uh, 
uh, played helper to him and, and tried to shoo reporters away or shield him from reporters. Um, you know, talking to Sam Hubbard after the game, and you know he he took up for for Joseph as well, and you know made the point of, hey, I, I'm I'm the one that's supposed to have contain on that play, and I lost contain. And there's a million other plays in this game that it could have determined it. And nobody in here loves football more than Joseph and works harder than Joseph. So, but you did have the Jermaine Pratt reaction, which was pretty guttural. As he came down the, the the tunnel to go into the locker room, a, a reporter from Spectrum News One that Sports Center tweeted out the the uh, the video from. Um, he yells, you know what? You know, first he yells, "This is my la- my blanking last year," meaning he is actually in the last year of his contract this year. He is due to be a free agent. That made it feel very much like he doesn't think he's going to be re-signed here, um, and and knew that this was a you know a golden opportunity, maybe a last one for him to get to the Super Bowl and win it. And then he yelled out, what the blank? And he said, why would you hit the blank and quarterback? Um, and, and, and he's saying this literally while every other player falling into the locker room is in complete silence. So it was a, that was pretty emotional there. Um, as I said, for some of the players, um, Burrow was one of them. Um, you could, you could see the hurt on his face, the hurt on Sam Hubbard's face, because this was a team that, and I know I say this after I just said what I said about Pratt. I think that was just an emotional response from Pratt. I mean, this this team really was uh, very tight and really thought that they were going to win this all, that they had the exact right things to do it. And let's face it, it's never the same in the NFL from one year to the next. And for for a lot of these guys, they know, hey, there's there's a lot of these guys aren't going to be here next year who are big factors in what they did. So I think all those things really hit home for all these guys very quickly after that game ended. Well, you just think about all the work that goes into it, not to be cliche over the top, but think about what Joe Burrow season dating back to last off season, where it starts with the surgery has been like. Right. No, I I, know that's a great point. And, um, you know, and again, the fact that they've, they've talked so much about being in this together and being for each other and the defense, how tight it was and would do extra meeting times and do extra stuff for red zone defense preparation and, um, all those things. And you can't say it's for naught because you got to the AFC championship game and that's a hard thing to do. But when you feel like all that stuff is really good, end up being making you a Super Bowl champion. And then you're not, um, at this stage, it's got to hurt. And especially the way this game ended. Yeah. And again, especially when you felt like you were good enough. I can't Last imagine what that plane ride back. Yeah. I can't remember what that plane ride back would, is going to be. I mean, just, just p- painful. I'm sure. Yeah, and I mean, you feel terrible for Joseph Isaiah, and I know there are going to be a lot of fans saying a lot of ignorant things about Joseph Isaiah, and that's just par for the course. But if you really think Joseph Isaiah cost the Bengals this game, that's fine. It was a really stupid play, and and maybe that's fair, but they're probably not in the position they're in without Joseph Osai. He was all over the place throughout this game, making plays and, and, and getting pressures in the backfield. Joseph Asai is going to be a stud in this league, assuming he didn't just blow out his knee for the right. second time in as many years. But if he right. if he remains healthy, Joseph Osai is going to be a big-time playmaker, and I hope he's with the Bengals for a long time. It was just a really unfortunate play. And, and was it a smart play? No, but it's also a bang-bang play right on the sideline. It looks a lot easier in slow-mo when you're watching it for the 15th right. time as a fan on right. your couch than it is in the moment when you're chasing, granted, a Pat Mahomes who has a busted ankle, but you're still chasing Pat Mahomes. Yeah, no, I again, you need to know where you are. You need to have field awareness. But yeah, we see that penalty, not a lot, but we've seen it enough times in this league where you're just so close to the sideline, you take that one extra step 
going 100 miles an hour. Uh, you can't slow up. You, you know, you're you're trying to get the quarterback to the ground. That's what you're trying to do. Him. And he pushed him. Yeah, I he mean, didn't clobber him. Thinking he was trying to push him out of bounds when he already was out of bounds. So yeah, it wasn't a very smart play, but um, it's just unfortunate that it, that it transpired when it when it transpired for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned the the comments by Jermaine Pratt, and part of those comments mentioned that this is my last year. What? What did he mean by that? What type of clarification was offered? And I mean, do you think Jermaine Pratt's gone? Um, I think he thinks he's gone. <laughs> That's what I kind of took out of it, that he doesn't think he's going to be re-signed here. Now, maybe that changes. Uh, but that, that's what I took from it is that, he, you know, this was the fourth year of his rookie contract. They last for four years. So he is a free agent. Um, and maybe he feels like he's already been told, Jermaine, I don't need to re-sign you. I, that was a really interesting comment to me as well. Um, but um, maybe it spoke volumes. We're going to have plenty of time to break down the offseason to talk about contracts and all of that stuff. But a lot of fans are going to have that on their mind when they wake up Monday morning. What's the the biggest topic as we head into the offseason? What do you think that's going to be? Is it Joe Burrow's contract? Yeah, I think it's where do they allocate the resources? Um, you know, I think we've been on the assumption that they're not going to re-sign Jesse Bates. But what do you do with Von Bell? Um there are some guys with big numbers on their contracts. DJ readers got a big number coming up, but he was such a big part of this defense when he was healthy. You think if you're still in the window of winning, which you are, that you'll go ahead and swallow hard and, and, and pay him, but you can do a lot of cap savings. You got a decision on Joe Mixon as well in a similar manner. You got a decision on Tyler Boyd in a similar manner. They're going to have to let some of these guys walk or cut some of these guys to save some money to sign Joe Burrow to an extension to sign T Higgins to, to an extension. Um, Cause you know, T's now suddenly you look up and, and you know, he's going into to his final year of his rookie contract. And a lot of guys who are high profile players don't like playing on that. They want the assurance of another contract after three years. Um, and I'm going to guess T might be in that area of what does he do? Does he eventually, if he doesn't get an extension, does he decide to hold out? Um, or not take part in, in, in OTAs. And we saw that with Jesse Bates this year. Now he got franchise tag, but um, these guys, you know, you get to that stage of I'm not getting hurt when I can get paid into, into that mode. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've got, there's a lot of decisions. I mean, do you bring Lyle Collins back or let him walk? So if you let him walk, what do you do on the offensive line at right tackle going in next year? So there's, a, there are a lot of questions, which we'll, we'll dive into. We don't have to do it tonight, but just be aware fans that, and most of you probably know there are a lot of things this team um, has to do this offseason in terms of free agency. What is the situation with Burrow specifically? Are they going to go in and get this deal done this offseason? I think so. Um, yeah, I, I do. You know, again, he's going into his, into his four. He's going in the final year of his rookie contract. I don't think he's going to want to play with just a year left on that rookie contract. I don't. And that's um, very rare for a star quarterback to play yes, without a, correct. an extension going into his last year. Yeah, correct. And so I do think that that thing gets done, um, you know, and at that point, then they'll know where they're at wiggle room wise from a from a salary cap standpoint. But it is going to be a, a fascinating offseason for sure. Speaking of Burrow, from the. Stupid fan comments. I, I did see the narrative start to form, and I'm sure this is out of frustration by people being silly, but do you think there's any merit at all to the idea that Burrow hasn't come up clutch all of a sudden in some of these playoff games and late game situations? I don't I, no, I don't buy into that. <laughs> I'm not I buying that at I've all either. I think that's a clutch. I mean, the, you know, 
as much as John Elway and those guys and Tom Brady's, you know, are known for some of those things. I, I, if you followed every game of their career, you know, how many times did they not lead a team to a fourth quarter touchdown drive win? And, and so, no, I'm not, I'm not buying that narrative. That dude's pretty clutch. I mean, if you want, if you want to start over, you can let him walk after this year. Let's see where we go. Yeah. You really want to see that guys really. Yeah. And well, also, I think it's convenient that, you know, the, the, some of the narrative that was thrown out there was like, oh, look at the Rams game. You couldn't get it done on the final drive and look at the Chiefs game. And it's like the Bengals were in the Super Bowl and the AFC championship in back to back years because of Joe Burrow. Like that's where I'm at with the Joe Burrow narrative is that they have no shot at being in these positions without a guy like him back there. No question. I, that, yeah, yeah that, that's absolutely silly. All right. Well, that's all I got. Skinny, you got anything else? Yep. No. Um. You know, like I said, it this it, just the finale. This just hit so fast, so hard that you you know you just you 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 know you expected them to find a way to pull this out because it's what they've done against Kansas City, and um, you know this time Kansas City winds up making the the final play on them, and you know I, I think it shows, and I think that would be the number one the number one goal for next season is obviously winning the the Super Bowl, but in order to do that, I think a big in season goal has to be busting your ass to get the one seed. I, you know, it's a big ass to come to this stadium two years in a row and win the AFC championship. And they almost damn well near did it. Well, and somebody brought this up in a, in a group text I was in earlier tonight. You go all the way back to the very first game of the season against yep. the Steelers. Cost and it. if you get one of those extra points to go in, you yep. play that game in Atlanta today. Yeah, no, that's insane. And how, how different is that? Yeah, no, right. I mean, this crowd was electric. It was alive. It's a tough place to come play. And well, you wouldn't have to play third down three times in a row if nothing else, because it wouldn't be too loud. That's a good point. That's probably true. So yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, getting the number one seed next year will be will be. I, I think you have to put that as a as a big time goal. And 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 this time around, you get a chance to hopefully host and play one less playoff game in order to get there. Also, can we all agree that? NFL trash talk is maybe the lamest thing ever. At this it point. is, but I did say, I, I will say this, Rick, I, I will leave it at this. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, some of the comments from chiefs players you knew were coming. Uh, Mahomes took a little bit of a shot at burrow in the cigars. Uh, obviously Travis Kelsey went full fledged uh, the rock with uh, you know, telling the mayor to know your, shut your mouth, know your role, you jabroni. Um, the, you know, the, the smack talk between the players is one thing. Um, the, I think the mayor's going to have a hard time with this one. Cause I don't think fans are going to let him forget this. Yeah, why is he involved? It's exactly, so lame. Exactly. Exactly. And then like, honestly, the mayor and all of that looks way worse than what the chiefs are doing and responding now after they've won the game, but also like Kelsey, Travis Kelsey doing what he did. That was lame as can be as well. Yeah, it is, but but I knew it was coming. I mean, we all knew if they sure, were but like game, doing a, a rock impression. What is this? Nineteen ninety six. I will. I will say this. I, I thought he did have a, a one in the post game because that was down on the field. I think it was CBS when he said that, but he did have one in his post game press conference. I was watching while I was when I came back up from the Bengals locker room, um, which was hilarious. Which uh, he said Cincinnati was a better town when Jerry Springer was the mayor. That like, was a pretty good line. Pretty good yeah. line, man. It's it's like, incredibly untrue, but it's it's well, that's a correct. pretty good line. Yeah, 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 but a pretty good line nonetheless. But yeah, the the mayor's the one that's gonna have our time. The, the players forget about all this stuff. For them, it's hey, I think Joe Burrow said it best. You know, for for him, it, the trash talking's funny. So then afterwards, all love. Um, yeah. But I think those those it's just corny. Players, yeah, it is corny. But for the mayor, man, this may be one that's gonna be hard for him. It was an incredibly stupid move. I have no idea what he was thinking, and and he deserves all of the hate that's going to come his way for this. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's it.
Good stuff. All right. We will be back uh, this coming Thursday or so for our Potpourri podcast. This wraps it up for Bengals podcast, just jet, the Bengals postgame podcast, obviously. But, of course, during our, our midweek Potpourri podcast, we will certainly talk Bengals as the offseason unfolds and progresses because um, it's going to be an interesting offseason once again. It probably won't be an offseason of free agent acquisitions, but it'll be an offseason of what do they do with some major contracts and, and keeping some of their own guys who are going towards free agency. Thanks for listening all season long to this podcast, but please make sure you uh, hit us up on our regular podcast. Keep coming with the questions for Ask Any Anything. We're heading down the stretch of the college basketball season. Um, looking forward to that, and we will be back this week to talk about that and much, much more. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals post-game edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage.